Hello and welcome to EndNotes, a WooCast production. In this series, we take you behind the cover and through the pages of books on politics, policy, and more, all written by faculty at Princeton's Woodrow Wilson School. I'm Rose Kelly, and joining me today is Francis Lee, a professor of politics and public affairs at Princeton and co-editor of the new book, Can America Govern Itself? Francis has broad interests in American politics with a focus on congressional politics, national policymaking, party politics, and representation. In this new edited volume, she and Nolan McCarty, also of Princeton, combine the work of renowned scholars to investigate American democracy in this fraught moment. Welcome to the show, Francis. Thanks for having me. Also, welcome to Princeton. Uh, so I was lucky to interview Nolan earlier this summer, and he sort of gave me a spoiler alert on the edited volume, which he said, no, America can't really govern itself. Um, can you tell us why this is the case? Well, the American constitutional system sets up a complex division of power. Two co-equal chambers of Congress. You've got a president and Congress separately elected, an independent judiciary, a strong federal system. All these features require broad consensus to act. This puts a premium on negotiation and compromise, but the latter seem to be in short supply in contemporary American politics. The party polarization puts enormous pressure on a system that requires consensus to function. The result is a government that's unable to address many national problems or to update longstanding policies to meet current needs. Congress is unable to adjust policies even when they no longer function in the manner that they were intended. Uh, Major policies in more than half the public's priority areas are overdue for reauthorization, for reconsideration and updating. Administrative agencies struggle to apply outdated laws to current conditions. This is, for example, what is the federal government's authority to regulate the Internet when relevant statutes were written long before the Internet existed? So we have continuous intractable conflict. It doesn't just weaken Congress. It weakens the whole national government's capacity to govern. So what what motivated you and Nolan to put this together? Why now? I mean, that was a great example with um, Internet regulation. Were there other examples that come to mind or – Well, what motivated uh, Nolan and I to undertake this project was uh, the uh, Social Science Research Council's Anxieties of Democracy program. The president of the Social Science Research Council, Ira Kautznelson, he was president at the time, he asked us to co-chair a working group on governing institutions to speak to what social science has to say about concerns about American democracy. So we were we tasked with this big question, set of big questions. Uh, and so we, you know, we undertook an effort to try to tackle that um, broad ranging set of concerns about, you know, can American govern itself? Right. Have you and Nolan worked together before? I'm not sure if I knew. We hadn't collaborated as scholars before. We we're both Congress scholars, or we had our start in that area, and uh, so we knew each other. Um, but um, and and we come at these kind of questions from different vantage points, and so I think that's one of the reasons why we were paired up to uh, to to take on this this project. Can you walk our listeners through? the process of putting together an edited volume? Because we talked to a lot of authors who've written their books and they've told us about that, but this seems like it could be a complicated process. <laughs> it was, and, and it's not a, a typical edited volume in that it, it wasn't just a matter of what uh, Nolan and I wanted to include. It, it was just part of the uh, Anxieties of Democracy program. And so we were tasked with bringing together a committee 
to talk through what are the big issues in uh, American politics, what are the chapters that such a volume would need to include. So uh, we, Nolan and I, uh, worked together to come up with a list of experts who would be able to speak to different institutions of American democracy, the Congress, executive branch agencies, political parties. We also wanted experts who could offer insight into questions of representation and accountability. So questions of business capture of executive branch agencies, interest group influence, responsiveness to wealthy campaign donors, the ability of ordinary Americans, including disadvantaged minority groups, to shape policy via activism. So we wanted to consider all these issues. We also, given this is the Social Science Research Council, not the Political Science Research Council, we wanted to reach out beyond political science. So we consulted with law professors and sociologists as well. We held a day-long meeting of this committee to discuss possible chapters and contributors. Then we, uh, out of that meeting, invited contributors and held a conference here at Princeton um, in the lead-up to, in fact, prior to uh, the 2016 presidential election. All these concerns about an American democracy long predate the current administration. Okay, that's good to know. Um, you know, the, I saw the book investigates a few themes around democracy. So can you tell us sort of the, the two big themes that emerged through your discussions and and then, you know, to follow up on that, what are some of the biggest takeaways from the book? The, the book is organized around two large themes. One, questions of representation and accountability, and two, questions of governing processes and outcomes. The picture that we offer of American democracy is mixed. The, the book does not validate people's worst fears. In some cases, the portrait offered here is reassuring. We find, uh, or at least the, the, the contributors to the volume, portray, portray governing processes in a somewhat more favorable light, that they aren't the root of the problem. Democratic discourse isn't being dumbed down, despite Twitter, social media, cable news. Uh, we don't find that in a systematic way, democratic discourse has deteriorated. Majorities are not running roughshod over minorities in more, the more recent partisan congresses, that we don't have more laws being passed on narrow party line votes than we used to see. Deliberation is still occurring. But there are major, major concerns about the performance of democratic institutions and their capacity to address issues of great concern to Americans. The chapters on representation point to increasing concentration of influence in a small group of dominant interest group players, which uh, in the, the volume they're referred to as the interest group top tier. Chapters on campaign finance point to significant influence of donors on senators' behavior, particularly in states that are not party competitive. The chapters on governance point to serious problems of performance, outdated policies, congressional gridlock, problems of routine appropriations and budgeting, and the challenges of carrying out administration in such an environment. So, you know, given that we're a policy school, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask, uh, does the book offer any policy prescriptions per se? Well, the book is much more analytical than it is prescriptive. At the outset, we ruled out recommending major constitutional change as something that we were going to weigh or consider 
even despite great anxieties about the capacity of the Madisonian system to to function under current conditions, we didn't believe such recommendations would be realistic or feasible given uh, current divisions. So the goal for the book was to understand what was working and not working, regardless of whether there were solutions available to address those problems. We do rule out some reforms as not being likely to help. Reforms to internal governmental processes are not likely to make much difference. So the idea of taking Congress back or returning to so-called regular order, committee deliberation and having committee reports and open debate on the floor of the House and the Senate, that wouldn't likely reduce partisanship or improve congressional deliberation. Small tweaks to governmental performance are not up to the task. The problems detailed in this book are broadly political. The answers, if there are answers, probably also have to come from the political sphere. In the meantime, policymakers are tasked with coping with the challenges rather than with um, uh, reforming them away. Why do you think someone should add this to their reading list? I know it's a pretty academic book, but let's say, you know, a non-academic wants to read it. Do you think it's Well, it offers a synthetic and broad-ranging perspective on what social science has to say about questions about how American democracy is performing. It's an engaged kind of scholarship. Political science is often criticized for being narrow and technical and impenetrable to non-social scientists. These are not issues with this book. The, The book grapples with big questions. That was what the what um, the Social Science Research Council wanted us to accomplish with the project, you know, to try to speak beyond the academy. And it's written in an accessible manner. You don't need to be a political scientist, uh, a student, or a scholar to understand the book and to engage with the issues that it raises. You know, before we, we wrap up on the book, I, I know you're new to Princeton, so you're new to many of our listeners and myself included. So I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about um, your current work, what, what you plan to work on at Princeton, um, you know, any past work that is particularly of importance to you. I'd love to hear more about, about your body of work. Well, I just uh, uh, finished a project on the American party system's v- vulnerabilities to and resistance to populist pressures. So, you know, to sort of take take stock of, um, you know, whether populism is a threat to uh, to democracy in the United States, whether it uh, can result in democratic erosion, contemporary issues. The the project engages with the broader comparative literature that shows that populist leaders in power are a risk factor for democratic erosion. Mm -hmm. And so then to consider what, uh, whether the American system, whether populist pressures here can can undermine democracy. The paper uh, argues that that uh, populist pressures are more likely to undermine the norms of democracy than to undermine democratic processes, formal democratic institutions. That the the very features of the system that make make it so hard for uh, parties and leaders to govern under conditions of polarization, sort of you know, the, the themes pursued in Can America Govern Itself, ironically also make it hard for any autocrat any populist autocrat to take full control, take the reins of government and undermine democracy. So it it, it can protect democracy even though it also uh, makes it hard for democracy to function. 
Has that work been published yet, or is it forthcoming? It's forthcoming. Oh, well, I'm the, looking forward to writing about it with you. <laughs> yes, it'll come out this fall. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so anything else you want to add about Can America Govern Itself before we wrap up here? Well, I'd say the book already needs a sequel. Yeah. That the um, anxieties that we were speaking to when uh, we undertook the project, which were primarily polarization and rising economic inequality, those anxieties are still present. But we have a new set of anxieties about whether democracy is resilient um, under uh, under contemporary pressures. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of um, uh, uh, dark and um, uh, alarming uh, analyses come out suggesting that, you know, it, you know, can it happen here? Madeleine Albright had a book, Fascism, a warning. Right. That, um, and uh, and so, you know, to consider, to, to, you know, consider from a scholarly vantage point those kinds of analyses, I think that would be the next step if we, you know, if Nolan and I continue on with uh, uh, this uh, Anxieties of Democracy project. So, yeah, in all your free time, you can <laughs> start the next book. Well, this has been wonderful. Um, can America Govern Itself is available through Cambridge University Press as well as um, major booksellers online. I, I just want to thank you so much for joining us, Francis, and welcome again to Princeton. Thank you. We want to thank our listeners for tuning into EndNotes, currently available on SoundCloud. We also want to thank our audio engineer, Dan Kearns, our audio editor, Bonalise Rosado, and our visual designer, Egan Jimenez. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to EndNotes, a series produced by WooCast, the podcast enterprise of Princeton University's Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs. The content you've just heard does not reflect nor represent the views of Princeton University or the Woodrow Wilson School.